The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Questions is what I'd like to explore this evening. Um, there's a question from a while back in the submitted questions. And uh, so it may it may feel like the person who submitted the question may feel like they've moved on past it. But the um, the question itself is, I think it, it touches on so many different areas. And it's a great question in terms of exploring difficulty in our meditation practice. So it's a meditation question, and how to work with challenge. Um, so that's what I'd like to explore today. Um, The uh, the question refers to a teaching from Sayadaw Utejaniya. So I'd like to um, give a little bit of context for that teaching before um, before going into the into the um, into the question. So it 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 refers kind of um, the teaching of Sayadaw Utejaniya is very much a very receptive awareness kind of teaching. Much the, the teaching that I was offering in the guided meditation receive experience. And a, a key piece of it is, is knowing how you are in relationship to the experience. So the, the struggles that we have with experience come from a, a relationship to experience that's one of wanting it to be different, wanting to hold on to it, wanting to pushing it, push it away, or some kind of confusion about the experience. And so the, the teachings of Sayadaw Utejaniya kind of emphasize checking in. What is the attitude? How am I with the experience? So there's, there's knowing what's happening, but also knowing how you are in relationship to it. So that, uh, that teaching or that kind of understanding is like whenever there's a struggle, whenever there's, a sub, there's some kind of struggle happening in our lives, or it, so this is applicable to daily life as well, in our meditation or in our lives, there's something going on in our minds that's contributing to that struggle. And so kind of checking in or being curious about, okay, there's struggle happening. So here's the situation. We know the situation, but... Uh, often I think we think it's the it's the situation that's creating the suffering. And there are aspects of the situation that are contributing to the suffering, but there's a kind of a linchpin in our own mental uh, habits and patterns, our own mind that is um, kind of wanting something to be different, wanting to hold on, push away, or just unclear, have a view, an idea, an opinion about what should be here. And that's that's the piece, that's the place where freedom can happen. If we see that attitude, that view, that relationship clearly, there's a possibility for, um, for seeing a shift. And so the, the, um, that exploration around the relationship to experience is, is a key piece to Sayadaw's teachings. Um, and so the um, the question is referring to a particular teaching Sayadaw offered when there's a struggle, when there's a challenge in the mind. Um, that, how to, how to how to deal with that? So that one way, one key way that we can work with a challenge in 
in our practice is to check into the attitude and um, kind of recognize, oh, what's happening here is this unpleasant thing happening and I don't like it. You know, and it can just simply, it can just simply um, make things so much easier when we, when we begin to recognize, oh, that's what's happening. There's something unpleasant and I don't like it. Okay, maybe I can just know that I don't like it and be with that experience. And, and the whole kind of experience can shift. There can be a, a sense of less suffering. So that's one key way to kind of work with a struggle check into that relationship and then just be with that relationship. But there's also the possibility of using um, some tools because sometimes it, it, it's not, it doesn't work or it's like whatever that relationship is, the, the, the strength of the reactivity, the strength of, in that case, if there's something unpleasant happening and I don't like it, sometimes the strength of that not liking is so strong that that just being aware of it, you know, is not, it's not going to have any traction. Um, and we stay caught, we stay stuck, we feel like there's, there's no way around that knot of, of struggle or stress. And so Saito Utejaniya says, uh, here's the quote from Saito Utejaniya. There are two ways you can adjust the mood of the mind. You can adjust it with right thinking, right thought, right view. And if that's not possible, then with um, samatha or a kind of a focused attention, a a concentration, a focused concentration. And so the the question is kind of revolving around this this, um, teaching, two ways to adjust the mood of the mind. So um, the... uh, One way being to bring in wisdom, kind of wisdom reflections, or just the kind of the recognition, oh, well, this is what's happening. Maybe I can be with this, or um, this is impermanent, or this is, um, this is unreliable. So that's using thought, actively using thought to kind of see if it, it might have a little bit of like, there's this, uh, this unpleasant thing happening and I don't like it. Well, that unpleasant thing and the not liking, they're impermanent that might adjust the, the mood of the mind a little bit and allow there to be some space to be able to hold the experience. So that's one way that, that Saira is recommending is, is there's a possibility of using thought actually to help shift the, the mind. And the other being um, concentration. So to choose if there's a, a stress or something, a stress or a suffering of some kind, attending to something clearly, just directing the attention to something clearly. And in this case, probably directing the attention attention to something else clearly. Um, because whatever you're looking at, um, there's already reactivity in there. And so it could be useful to turn the attention to something else. So given that little bit of um, description, I'll read the question. Sometimes hyperventilation comes up for me and leaves behind uncomfortable breathing habits. This happened recently, and the mind immediately went to practicing with the first tetrad of Anapanasati in order to work with the uncomfortable breathing. After some time struggling, I remembered this quote from Saira Utejaniya, the quote I just read. There are two ways you can adjust the mood of the mind. You can adjust it with right thinking, right thought, right view. If that's not possible, then with concentration or samatha. 
Once this arose, I switched to noting. Uncomfortable breathing, what's that like? Immediately, the struggle lessened. Over a few days, it created space to allow the breathing to settle down. Remarkably, it created the space for curiosity around how mind and body get entangled in bad breathing habits. So that example, that description of, of practice experience is using the first method that Sayadaw described. It's a very great description of using that first method, using thought. Oh, uncomfortable breathing. What's that like? It's, it's aligning with with the the reality of what's here and it's kind of a bringing in a little bit of thinking that oh maybe it, i can just know what uncomfortable breathing is like as opposed to trying to adjust the breathing um so that's a great example of using using thought to adjust the attitude of the mind the the earlier attitude was um trying to adjust the breathing so the breathing could become comfortable or trying to focus on the breathing or something in order for the breathing to become comfortable. Um, and as um, I kind of noted earlier, there was already reactivity in the paying attention to the breathing. And so trying to um, use the breathing as the object of concentration there is probably not going to work because there's the reactivity in there. And so what I'd recommend in terms of the second method that Sayadaw recommended, if it didn't work to adjust the attitude, I mean, it's, it's fantastic what, what was described in the, in the, um, in the question, how the, the use of the thought was so opening and so allowed an adjustment of the attitude to be able to be with the breathing more easily and more skillfully. So that's great. I mean, if that works, Sayadaw says, that's the first thing to try. See if you can adjust the attitude by using the mind there. If that doesn't work, then what I believe he's suggesting in terms of samatha is to pick another object to focus on or to concentrate on. Um, because, you know, to try to, to focus and concentrate when the mind is has reactivity in the can connection with that object, you're just going to reinforce that reactivity. So this method of um, using uh, samatha to allow the mind to settle, for me, this the, the place of the way this has really been useful, and it's incredibly useful um, to be able to recognize, yeah, this object at this point, not the object. There's too much going on in the back of the mind, too much relationship that's not adjustable right now, um, need to turn to another experience. So when we find that it's not possible to, um, to meet the current, like the most obvious experience with what's happening, then choosing some object that's fairly easy to attend to, that is relatively neutral, is a good, a good kind of choice. So an example from my own practice along these lines, I've, I've talked about this example uh, before, but early in my practice, um, a lot of anger, um, working with a lot of anger. And I learned at a, cer- at a certain point, I, I learned how I could be mindful of anger sometimes and be aware of the body and all of that. But often it would come up in daily life and I'd be out walking or doing something. And I found that in the activity of daily life, it was much harder to just be aware of the anger without getting pulled into it and getting caught by it. 
So the adjustment of the attitude was harder there. Um, and, um, and I saw that whenever I tried to be mindful of the anger, when I was in the midst of other things, I would just get pulled into the anger again. I would just find myself lost in it again. So um, I chose when I noticed the anger coming up in those situations to, I often seemed to be walking when this happened, when I would notice the, the anger. And so I turned my attention to the experience of walking just for, I don't know, like two or three minutes, just a little bit of break of the attention on that object that was so sticky and turn to a neutral object, sensation of feet on the ground, just for, you know, and, and, and the, the way that shift happened was kind of a friendly. And so it was, yep, see that I can't be mindful right now of this challenging experience. So, um, yeah, I see you, anger, and I see you're kind of asking for attention, but right now it's hard to be with you. So I'll put my attention on my feet. So I, I used wise thought there, you know, a little bit of wise thought to help the mind to let go of the anger and turn towards something else. So there was a little bit of using the, the thinking. It was like at first, when I first started doing this, I used that whole like little conversation with my mind, I, with, with, with that anger. I would give it, give that whole little like spiel to my anger. Yep. I see you. I, I respect you. I bow to you. I know you want attention and yeah, not now. And, um, I'll come back to you. I promise I'll come back to you. You know, that, so that kind of, of attitude, that kind of, a uh, loving or friendly relationship to that challenging experience and then put my attention on something else. And I could do that, you know, so, so that, that turning the attention to something neutral, something easy that, you know, sensation of feet on the ground was really obvious. It was pretty easy to connect with. So that made it easy to let go of attending to that sticky object for a while. And then you know, the, the mind was no longer stuck anymore. It was no longer caught. I didn't at that point then try to go back to the anger in that situation, but had more capacity for going back to it at other times. So it, um, I think that's, that's my sense. The, 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 the final part of the question was, I'm curious to hear my experience, my experience with these two ways of practicing with sticky tangles. Um, so, um, I think that, um, that's that kind of description of if I, if I can with the sticky tangle, um, notice the relationship, maybe bring in some wisdom reflections that help me have a little more balance around it. If it feels like the sticky tangle isn't, hasn't got the upper hand, I'll keep going with, with trying to work with it with, um, with wise view, with, with noticing the, the stickiness, noticing the sticky part. And I'll keep trying to work with that for quite a while. Um, and if it doesn't work, I mean, if it feels like the stickiness begins to get the upper hand, then I'll switch to, um, a kind of a focused attention on something, on something else. So that's my understanding of what Sayadaw was pointing to in terms of adjusting the mind, adjusting the mood of the mind by using samatha, um, not to 
try to uh, not, not to try to within a sticky tangle adjust the mood of the mind by just diving in and focusing on that object because that doesn't generally work so well uh, because of that attitude you know in the background so um yeah, I think I'll stop there and see if there's any, because there's a lot more to say about working with sticky tangles, but but that kind of was the, the topic of the, the particular question. And just see what kind of, um, are there other questions about sticky tangles that might be in the room? It's, a, it's, it's often a, a question or any questions or comments about my response to the question. Well, this is unusual <laughs> for no one to have a, a question. Okay, Nick. I'll ask. That was really that was really interesting. Um, I jotted down some notes just so that I kind of make sure I'm clear about. It, it seems like it's um like a two a two part um method to uh, to shift the mind when something's like a, a sticky angle. And and the first one is um is a right view, um sort of like an awareness of that it is present. If there is say, a sticky tangle present. I would say the first the first piece before even getting to the two ways that Sayadaw talks about is checking in and becoming so knowing there's a sticky tangle and then being curious about. What's the relationship? You know, what's going on? So is there greed? Is there aversion? Is there delusion? And sometimes simply becoming aware of the relationship is enough so that it, you know, so, so sometimes that's enough. Okay. And if it's, and if that's not enough, then, you know, kind of the adjusting the, the attitude is like the first piece is to, you know, can you be aware of the attitude? And, and if you can be aware of the attitude, that might be sufficient if it's not sufficient because it feels like it stays sticky, then adjusting that attitude with some view, some thought, bringing in some, some skillful reflections. Um, this is impermanent or, or maybe this, in this case, the person um, said, Oh, uncomfortable breathing. What's that like? You know, so it's, it's just like orienting to, Oh, right. I'm trying to change things. I don't need to, maybe I don't need to change it. Maybe I just need to be with it. So, so there was that kind of wisdom reflection that allowed the attitude to, 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 to shift. So there's, there's more uh, kind of, I'd say the, the Buddha offers three key wisdom reflections. This is impermanent. This is unreliable as something to hold on to. Uh, and this is, he puts he frames that this is not self, but you know that that can get into a whole sticky tangle itself. You know, I it can also be framed. This is nature. This is conditions. This is just what's happening. Um, so those are, are key three key wisdom reflections. Um, and yet there's there's different ways those those can be languaged and and sometimes sometimes I found like the language. Oh, this is just 
X happening. This is just frustration happening. You know, something to just remind me, oh, this can, I can just be aware of this experience that the, the mind had been caught in some idea of this. I can't be aware of this. I can't be mindful if this is happening. You know, some belief or idea about it. I was like, no, mindfulness can be aware of anything. That's, that's another wisdom reflection. So, you know, kind of recognizing what the attitude is. Sometimes we can, um, adjust the attitude with reminding ourselves some wisdom that we, that we know. So that's the, that would say that's the second step. And then if that doesn't work, then the third step would be picking some other object and, uh, you know, letting yourself focus for a little while, even, even a minute or two can, can sometimes break the stickiness of just letting your attention go to that other thing. Oh, cause I feel like sometimes I'm more, um, you know, the primary uh, object of attention is usually breath. And sometimes I'll go on to body sensations, you know, when, and change when, it. When the breath gets a little hard to be with, you go to body Or, or, or if, um, that's what I was thinking that the question was about, uh, you know, it could, it could just as well be, um, oh, distracting thoughts. What's that like? Exactly. Right. Yes, it can okay. be. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes that <laughs> happens for me like that. And 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 working with thoughts is one of the more challenging things. But yes, it is possible. It is absolutely possible. Oh, distracting thoughts. That's what's happening. Okay. Thinking I can't be aware of distracting thoughts. And even the word distracting. Right. Oh, lots of thoughts happening. That changes the relationship a little bit. Because if you include the word distracting in there, it's, it's assuming that it's taking you away. So it's like, oh, lots of thought happening. What's that like? Seems like um, sometimes if I'm having distracting thoughts and it's uh, distracting thoughts and I, I can't uh, settle in with the object of the breath and the, or the body sensations and I'll go back and forth, I switch it to metta and then it, that seems to help it. If it gives my mind something to do with the phrases repeated internally switching to metta is is another version of the samatha practice you know it's giving your mind something to do that's taking it away from that other thing so that's a that's another equally valid version of redirecting the attention so yeah metta practice can be a great thing to to help that the mind let go and it also brings in a kind of attitude adjustment because it's it's cultivating the the friendly quality of mind at the same time. So, yeah. Okay, thank you. That's really helpful. Yeah, sure. Other questions, and they don't have to be about what what uh, what we what I shared. It could be about any anything. All right, I have another question from the the form. I think I can respond to this one uh, a little more quickly. There's about five minutes left. So um, at one point, um, I mean, I, I say this, I say this from time to time, that when we're aware, and this kind of relates to the, the, the working with difficult mind states, um, when we're aware of something challenging, you know, sleepiness or frustration or whatever, 
um, a little bit of wisdom that can be supportive is the reflection that being aware of the experience, the awareness of the experience is not, um, doesn't have the quality of the, uh, the challenge. So I sometimes will, will remind myself, um, awareness of sleepiness is not sleepy. The awareness itself is not sleepy. There's, there's sleepiness and there's awareness of the experience or, you know, frustration. Awareness of frustration is not frustrated. Awareness of confusion is not confused. So that's, that's a little bit of wisdom to, to reflect to, to, that can be used. But somebody asked at one point, can you expand on this? You know, what does it mean? <laughs> How do I understand this? And so just a little analogy or image that might um, be uh, supportive. Um, I often think of mindfulness as being very similar. It's, it's, it's like, it's a quality, it's a function of the mind that brings into conscious awareness what's happening in the present moment. So it functions very like a mirror functions. You know, a mirror in a room, if the light is on in the room, the mirror in the room will reflect what's happening in front of it. But the mirror itself doesn't, isn't affected, isn't impacted by what it's reflecting. The mirror is not what it's reflecting. It is a, it is a capacity. The mirror is a capacity that can clearly reflect whatever is put in front of it. And mindfulness functions very much the same way. So when we are aware of whatever, that awareness itself, and this can take a while, it's useful to kind of be curious about this part, because when we begin to taste the, the difference, the distinction between the awareness and the experience, whether it's frustration or anxiety or confusion and being aware of it. When we, when we know or can kind of step back and say, Oh, there's anxiety and there's awareness. When we can know the, the awareness, there can be a shift that um, kind of shifts the whole feeling of the experience. So I'll give an example about this. At one point I was experiencing a lot of aversion. This is the first time I really noticed this, this, this difference of knowing the anxiety, knowing the awareness as separate from uh, a challenging experience. And it was, it was so interesting and so clear. Um, uh, I was experiencing a lot of aversion and I was aware of it. And I was noticing, of course, how unpleasant the experience of aversion was, you know, that that whole experience had a lot of unpleasantness to it. And I was noticing the unpleasantness and I knew that I was aware. And at some point, I got more interested in, oh, awareness of aversion is happening. Aversion is being known. Aversion is, there's awareness of the aversion. And when that uh, that kind of, that's kind of a, a wisdom reflection. It's like, oh, aversion is being known. Awareness is knowing the aversion. The whole experience shifted from being, uh, unpleasant to being neutral because the attention was, was more on the experience of the knowing or the awareness than it was on the aversion. The aversion was still happening. 
but that there was the the awareness that was more that the attention was kind of more there and i could clearly see that the awareness itself was not touched by the aversion it it's like it's like they were they were happening together you know that but the but the the awareness was not affected at all by the aversion much as a mirror is not affected by what it's reflecting you can put anything in front of a mirror and it will reflect it given the light and you take that out and there's a blank wall and the mirror reflects the blank wall you put something else in there and it reflects that it's not like there's a lingering effect of what was there before on the mirror and mindfulness is very similar it can take some time to actually taste that independent quality of the awareness but sometimes i talk about i think not too long ago i talked about noticing the awareness noticing being aware and kind of exploring that experience itself that begins to give you that taste of that independence and i would say that's another kind of uh interesting exploration around a struggle because I, as i said i i was i did it around something that was a little challenging and it's like oh aversion there's there's a lot of aversion here and there's the aversion being known and the knowing itself stepping into the knowing itself or kind of aware of the knowing itself the uh, the, the experience of that shifted the whole experience <laughs>